When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody. Uh, so this is the podcast recap for uh, Friday, the 27th, and then uh, Monday, the 30th. Uh, it's all about federalism. And um, I didn't want to, uh, I wanted to, we were supposed to finish it up in day one, but um, I wanted to uh, get it done in one podcast. So let's uh, get going here so we hopefully don't run short on time. So federalism, first off, the definition uh, is a pretty simple one. You just got to understand that there are several levels of government that have power, control, uh, whatever you want to call it, over its citizens. Uh, in our case, we have the federal government, which is the central government. So there's people up in D.C. that can make rules and laws that we have to follow. And then uh, we have kind of an equally uh, group, the state government here in Georgia, that can make rules and laws that we have to follow. And we have to follow both of them. Uh, and they both have the, the ability to, to tax us and, and do other things to, to us. So that's the big framework that we have and that we're working with uh, in our government is that we have multiple levels. And we can break it further down. We're going to stop there because that's all we'll concentrate on is the state and uh, federal level <clears throat> having the, the control over us. I need you to remember that federalism was kind of a compromise because, remember, the states were giving up everything. Uh, they were given up all the power that they had under the Articles of Confederation uh, to sign the Constitution. And so federalism was uh, going to be something that, hey, I know you're giving up all the power because the federal government is going to be supreme. Remember, supremacy clause. But with federalism, you maintain some level of power, some level of authority, uh, and you don't lose all your power. Uh, a couple of the provisions from the Constitution, you've got Article 1, which is just the express powers of Congress. You might also see it as the enumerated. These are things that you can go find. Necessary and proper clause is one of them. You can go read about that uh, in the Constitution. It is enumerated. It is expressed. Uh, there are also powers denied in the, the Constitution for Congress, uh, things like regulating the slave trade before 1808. Those things are um, specifically in there. Uh, Article 1, Section 10, denies some to the states, all right, like making treaties, making their own money. They can't do those sorts of things. Uh, Article um, 4 is the full faith and credit and the privileges and immunities, which we've already done. Extradition is also uh, put into there. That is just where states will work together to send people who have done wrong in multiple states back to a certain state. They'll work it out. Uh, we did Article 6, which is the Supremacy Clause. Let's remember the, the federal government constitution and the federal laws are supposed to be supreme. And then the Ninth and Tenth Amendment, basically, as long as the powers are not denied to you by the Constitution, then citizens in the Ninth and states in the Tenth are allowed to do things. Uh, the states hold power over all kinds of things. The elections, that's a state issue, not a national issue. Marriage laws, that's a state issue, not a national issue. Um, and that's why we get into some of the problems and issues that we have is because some states are doing one thing and others are doing others. Uh, the different types of powers delegated or expressed, those are those powers that are listed and given to the federal government. Article 1 is the delegated powers to Congress. Article 2 is the delegated powers to uh, the executive 
branch. Article three is the, the courts. Reserve powers, uh, those are the states, okay? As long as it's not specifically said they can't do it, um, it might not be specifically listed that they can, but as long as it's not that they can't in the Constitution, then a lot of those powers are left to the states. And the concurrent powers are powers that they share. Um, both the federal and state governments can tax us. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Uh, McCullough versus Maryland is a required case. You got to know it, so be sure you understand this. Uh, it answered two questions. All right. The, 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 the thought or the problem was, can Congress create a national bank? They said yes, because of necessary and proper clause and because that they are allowed to do certain things, uh, such as coin money, borrow money, things like that. So, yes, we can create a bank. Um, and the state of Maryland and other states said, no, you can't. So Maryland tries to, to tax them out of existence. All right. So that's where the case comes from. The Supreme Court, when answering the question, can Congress create a bank? The answer is yes, they can. Necessary and proper clause, they do all this other stuff with money, they can create a bank that's going to control, regulate, and, and help with the, the money issues. The second question was, can a state even tax a federal institution? And, Congress, and the Supreme Court said, no, you can't. And so um, a, a federal institution cannot be taxed by the state. And that's that whole supremacy clause, which is what they cited. You can't, you know, you can't tax your way up. Yeah, states you're below the federal government. Uh, that's the required case. All right. Another case that deals with this stuff that we need to talk about is Gibbons versus Ogden. Very quickly, Gibbons versus Ogden was a steamboat case. It is the one uh, where they were both given uh, steamboat charters to be on the Hudson River as the only steamboat operator on the Hudson River from New York and New Jersey, respectively. And they got into an argument when they saw each other out there. And the bottom line, the Supreme Court said, was the only people that can do this is the federal government specifically com Congress, when they control the commerce. All right. Uh, and that gets us into Monday, where there's a couple of key concepts you got to know. First up is dual federalism. All right. Dual federalism. This is what kind of, I don't want to say came out of Gibbons versus Ogden, <clears throat> but it kind of did. Uh, I, I shouldn't say it kind of did. Uh, it's what we kind of lived by for the 1800s, basically. Uh, dual federalism is where the national government stays in their lane and the states stay in theirs. All righty. So you have the Gibbons versus Ogden where, hey, the states gave a charter, but they're not supposed to. So the state stayed out of that. OK, uh, they left inter inter. So state state commerce to the, the National Congress, to the federal government, and they just handled their intra. So within the state kinds of things. So they stayed in their lanes. And that's what dual federalism is, where Federal government is going to do their thing. State governments are going to do theirs. All right. Uh, if you want to go beyond <clears throat> commerce, we can say military. The federal government is going to handle the military. And even today, the federal government is going to handle the military. States are going to stay out of it. Okay. Uh, states are going to handle education. For the most part, the federal government stays out of it. So dual federalism. Uh, and you might also see it compared to a layer cake where you have the layer icing and you, then you have the cake. They don't mix. They don't touch. They don't, I mean, they obviously on top of each other, but they don't mix together and they're not working together. They're separate. All right. Dual federalism is the same way where the federal government is going to do their thing and the states are going to do theirs. Um, that started to change as we went through the 20th century. Uh, we had a couple of things. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole list that I went through in class, but the big one to me is FDR's New Deal. Okay, uh, if you remember from your U.S. history days, uh, the New Deal was a huge grouping of alphabet soup. It was all those different um, things, 
and I say things that's very broad, but all the different programs that FDR put out there. And it was impossible for the federal government to do everything by themselves. So they had to start mixing and getting involved with the states and the states had to help them out to get some of this stuff done. Uh, so to me, really, that's kind of the, the big uh, moment where we're going to start moving away from dual federalism. We still have dual federalism. I said military and education. All right. But uh, we're going to start moving away from the only way to do it is through dual federalism to uh, where we have cooperative federalism. Uh, it's also sometimes called fiscal federalism, but cooperative federalism. This is the mixing, all right, where you're going to have the states and the federal government doing things <clears throat> to help each other out. Uh, specifically, the federal government is going to pay, all right, give the money, uh, give lots of money to the states in order to get things done. Uh, so think about it like a, a relationship maybe with your parents. Uh, they ask you to clean your room and you're like, no, I don't feel like it. They say, I'll give you some money to clean your room. All of a sudden your ears perk up. Hey, maybe I will clean my room. States are the same way. Federal government says, we'd like for you to do this. States, yeah, maybe, maybe not. We'll pay you. Okay, we'll get it done. So that's what cooperative federalism is. That's where it, it might also be the marble cake. So we said layer cake for the dual federalism, cooperative federalism. You might see it as a marble cake, but it's where Congress and the federal government is trying to in, encourage states to do things that they don't want to necessarily do. The big two types of grants you got to know are categorical. This is ones that have strings attached. So basically do this states and we'll fund this program. Okay. I'm gonna give you three examples. Uh, first up is road construction money and uh, the drinking age. The drinking age is a state issue. Okay. Uh, that is something that is controlled by the states. Um, and the federal government wants it to be 21. So they say states make it 21 and you keep your road money. All right. There's a categorical grant. Here's a policy. We want you to do this. If you do this, we give you your money. 1964 Civil Rights Act. Civil Rights Act had some provisions in there tied to integration of schools. Here's money to schools as long as you're integrated. If you're not, then we're going to start cutting off your funding. Uh, and I'm running out of time, so I'm going to skip the third example. Uh, let's move on from categorical grants uh, to block grants. Uh, block grants are a little bit freer. Uh, I don't want to say freer money, but it is money that the states get from the federal government to run programs at their discretion. The best example that I can give you right now is the welfare program. The welfare program used to be a federal program. It got turned over to the states, still federally funded. So the federal government still cuts checks to the states, but the states are allowed to run it how they want to. So that's why you have a wide variety of different welfare programs, welfare stipulations from state to state. It's because it is a federally funded program with states having the ability, ability to uh, run it as they see fit. Okay. Um, da, da, da. I think that is... Almost it. The last thing is mandates. Uh, mandates fall into this because, you know, the federal government sometimes tries to tell the states, you're going to do this uh, and we're not going to fund it like you want to. So you're just going to have to get it done. And sometimes they'll give a little bit of money for these things. Sometimes they'll give no money for these things. Uh, it just depends on how they're, they're feeling. And so the best example of that is Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, the federal government passed this law. You can't discriminate against uh, people with disabilities. Uh, and with that, you also states had to and federal government had to go in and retrofit a lot of their buildings to make it handicap accessible. They gave no money to the states to do this. So you had to put in wheelchair ramps at the state's cost. States weren't happy with that. OK, uh, lastly is devolution. 
and this is a pretty simple concept to understand, um, just turning over powers and responsibilities that were the federal government to the states. All right, so taking power away from the federal government and let's give it to the states. This started in the 80s and 90s. All right, as I went over a little, a little over the 10 minute mark, I apologize uh, for that. Uh, I should have kept up with my time better and went a little bit quicker. But uh, anyways, there's the recap for federalism. Uh, we'll do an activity uh, on Tuesday. So I hope all is well. Take care. Bye-bye. Stay dry on Tuesday.